We won again. This is good. But what is best in life? How about Wrong! I would summon a demon more ferocious than all in hell! Wrong! What is best in life? Crack your enemy, see them driven before you, and let a lamentation of the women. That is the Contemplate this on the tree of woe. Howdy, 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 and welcome to another episode of Garage Gamer. That's right. Garage Gamer, episode 4C, Gen Con 2014. Um, this is the first of two Gen Con episodes. Uh, last year, I was fortunate enough to talk Heather into coming on, my wife, and talking about our time at Gen Con together. And she was going to come on and do that with me today, but she's a bit under the weather. So, um, I did get a few interviews here and there. Um, I got to talk to Sean again from Wild West Exodus, like I said I would, on Garage Gamer for Wild West Exodus. Um, we had Kip from Battle Foam on, talking about some of their new stuff, some really cool stuff. They're fun interviews. So um, in a few days, I'll have those out with um, me talking to Heather. But uh, today, basically, uh, what I'm going to be playing for you guys, uh, I spoke to the guys at Mantic. Uh, in some length, actually, about all their different game systems, what's been coming out, what's uh, you know what is coming up. Um, I first get to speak to Chris from Mantic, um, and we sort of cover all the different systems and all the things they're doing. Um, it, everybody knows I am a fan of Mantic stuff, um, and uh, so you know we were just talking. Um, basically about their Kickstarters and different things like that. I think you'll enjoy that. After that, uh, I talked to Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Renton, who um, has given us a bit of a lowdown on things to come and just sort of, you know, how he feels about what, you know, how his company is doing uh, this past year. And then uh, I got a special treat. He brought with me his uh, concept artist, Heath. So Heath came on. I never gotten to speak to a concept artist before about their work. Um, so I, and I didn't even know he was coming. So it was kind of cool just sort of talking with him. He was a really nice guy. Uh, got to ask him a few questions about what it's like to be a concept artist. Um, you know, not so much about the games or anything like that, but just sort of what he did and how he got into it. So if, if you're a fan of Mantic, you'll like this episode. It's basically all Mantic from Gen Con. Um, and hopefully you'll enjoy it, and uh, should be within a few days or so, we'll have the other part of the Gen Con episode on where we talk about Gen Con as a whole. But basically, for today, I wanted to get this out to you guys as soon as possible, uh, partly because, you know, Mantic's our friend and our sponsor, uh, partly because they've got this Kickstarter going on that they're talking about that I'd like you to hear about before it's over, and, you know, partly because... Well, I mean, I wound up talking with them for so long that it basically became its own episode. So here you go, guys. Here are all my interviews from Mantic, and um, then I will be back afterwards to wrap up the show. All right, folks, and here we are. We are at Gen Con over here in the press booth with Chris from Mantic Games. Chris, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me yet again, <laughs> second time. At, and it won't be the last. Indeed. So now you guys, um, I went back there. We were just discussing. 
you got three game systems and your your space is a little tight. I know we next year looking to expand your Gen Con space a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Um, but you're running three games here. Now, what are you running for people? Okay, so at the stand, uh, as you say, we have three games. Um, we are teaching people how to play Dead Zone. We are teaching them uh, Dreadball, um, which last year was very, very popular, and this time has been as well. We've had to set up extra games to show people how to play everything, which is really cool. And for the first time, uh, we're actually, we actually have Mars Attacks. Uh, the miniatures game and that's out of the box it's out on the table people can rummage through the contents have a look and we're showing people how to play as well that's going down a storm dude I grew up with Mars Attacks I was one of those kids who had the cards and his parents were always like you shouldn't that's so inappropriate (laughs) I think they were quite controversial for the time weren't they when they first came out they were by the time I was collecting them in the late 70s early 80s it was Mm. still it wasn't as controversial but my parents were like that is such brain rot (laughs) I'm like this is so cool (laughs) And that's what we thought. I mean, um, we were relatively new to it as, a, as an IP. When, when Ronnie came back, he got the license, and we were like, wait, what? <laughs> um, and that's because, you know, as, as Brits, you know, the only kind of exposure that we'd really had to it and, uh, and the people in the office was, was the movie. And the course, Tim Burton movie, right. Yeah, and we didn't have the, we didn't have the license to the movie with the license to the cards and stuff. And so we sat and talked to uh, the guys at Tops, and they gave us their IP Bible, and we read through that, and it was like, oh, that's really cool. And then yeah. we had the IDW comics, and it was like, oh, that's really cool. And then they came back, and they're telling us, oh, we're, we're updating the cards, you know. You know, we're doing the invasion storyline, and we're updating them for to re-release. Cool. And it's just like, yeah, let's do it. Exactly. And it, I mean, even my wife was just walked by, and mm. when I was coming to get you, and as she left, she texted. She's like, "Oh my god, is that a Mars Attacks game?" Oh yeah. And I'm like, yeah. "She's like, did you buy one?" I'm like, oh, "I already got the Kickstarter," which I never say I got a Kickstarter to the wife. <laughs> I'm like, "Don't worry, I got the Kickstarter." She's like, "You what?" I'm like, "Don't worry." It was only about fifty dollars more than the box, and I got so many things. So like, much stuff coming. So much stuff. Coming. She's like, "Do we get flaming cows?" Because she saw the one. I'm like, "Yes, we're getting flaming cows." Yes. She's like, "Okay, we got to play. It's it's got everything in it." I like the big stompy robots too that you guys have. The big stompy robot is surprisingly big. <laughs> um, it is uh, pretty Titanic. It's going to be great, and we've not shown it off yet. We've deliberately kind of saving it till last. Yeah, because we want it to be that kind of ta-da. Yeah, there just, it is. I just saw the pick on the Kickstarter, the the concept thing. I'm like, this is going to be so, so much cool. fun. It's so cool. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's just it's that pulp fifty sci-fi that's so fun. Mm. Yeah. So, um, Dead Zone. Dead Zone is going berserk. Dead, Dead Congratulations. Is, thank you very much. Um, again, another Kickstarter project, uh, which is currently um, w- w- was released uh, back in February. Um, yeah. I think it probably hit the states about March time. Um, and yeah, it seems to have taken off. We've released expansions, we've released all sorts of new minis for it, and we're just in the process of releasing two new factions, which are the Forge Fathers and the Asterians. They'll be coming out very, very soon. So, okay, so Forge Fathers and the Asterians. Yep. So that's great. So now, I was one of the people who, back at Adepticon a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. I grabbed a couple of sets of Warpath. Yes. And I had the alpha rules, I think it was, that, that Alessio put out with the squads and all that stuff. Absolutely. And um, I really liked the rules for that. And it was exciting. Um, and, but, and I think we'll, you all know, there was, you had all these cool lists, but there was obviously you didn't have all the models and yeah. there wasn't a Kickstarter for it. Absolutely. Um, now, I did listen to the American version of the Mantic podcast mm-hmm. with uh, Johnny P from uh, Zlurpcast, and he was in there talking with them. Um, and I, I, re- I, so I've already heard this, but if anyone else hasn't heard that cast, so you mm. guys sort of scaled it back and came out yeah. with the Dead Zone instead, sort of as a build up to this. You want to talk absolutely. about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when we first did Warpath, um, we were ambitious 
um, <laughs> with what we wanted to do. And um, when we, we looked at it and how we wanted to support it, we, we couldn't do whole armies at a time and the rule set wasn't quite where we wanted it to be. Uh, the second beta was different from the first beta and still, you know, it wasn't it didn't have that kind of, oh my god, this is amazing, the same way that Kings of War does. And right. Kings of War um, is really starting to take off at the moment. Um, which, which, is, which is amazing. Um, but with, uh, with Warpath, we kind of looked at it and thought, okay, well, we want to do scenery. Uh, I want to do plastic scenery. It's something Ronnie's fanatical about his scenery. He did the Cities of Death stuff for Games Workshop. Right. And uh, one of the things uh, he didn't like about that was that it can't make full buildings out of it. It's, it's all ruined. Yeah, um, it's all quarter buildings. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's a, and it's amazing. And no, not a knock on, on GW. No, but no, no. But it's no, amazing it's how when those space marines bomb a planet, they bomb three quarters of every building. They do. <laughs> uh, they, are, they, they are very accurate. You know, it's all those uh, three pluses they roll up, whatever the stats are. I don't know. <laughs> Um, you know, three walls stay intact. The other one disappears. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, he he wanted plastic scenery. So we've got that. So we, we need to support Warpath, uh, and we want to do plastic scenery. Okay. So um, well, let's home in. So let's rather than building this huge galaxy and build this huge world, let's. And this is something we had great success with with Dreadball. Was let's just take a little pocket of it, and develop it, and go really in depth. So Dreble did that. Dreble's the first time that you sort of really start uh, getting the understanding of the corporation. This big marketing machine and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and they sponsor all these teams and it's, it's all, all those different alien races. And there's color. Suddenly there's color in the Warpath universe, you know? You know, it's got the bright and shiny to it. It's exactly. Got, it's, it's like sort of the Star Trek clean is yes. the way I describe it. Yep. Which is such a, such a, a, a contrast to all the dark destruction war exactly. is everywhere so it's like i don't look at that and think wow every planet is at war there's just war. everywhere you go it's war exactly. your home your home planet is doing nothing but preparing for war there are there are planets out yeah. there of just rich people living their lives away from all the conflict all that stuff just having a great time watching professional sports on big shiny screens it's a exactly. great it, it's it's something I haven't seen, and it's one of the things I really appreciated about Dreadball. Yeah, it's, it's something that Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, you see the film and you see the planet Xandar, yeah. and it's all very clean, it's all very clean cut. Same as the Citadel in Mass Effect. Right. All very clean, all very clear cut. Um, and, and, and the corporation and, and that sort of co-prosperity sphere is, is the same. Um, but kind of what happens if you go beyond that? And so we picked a different region of space, um, and... Uh, we have the plague. It was one of the eight lists that we had for Warpath. So let's develop those. I will pitch them against the Enforcers because the Enforcers are really cool. Um, <laughs> yep. Basically, that was as simple as that. <laughs> and we're going to do buildings, and uh, so it's going to be a skirmish game. And we we played about with squad base, and you're kind of moving two, three figures at the same time. It's a bit weird. So it's like, okay, well, we'll make it literally individuals. Right. And so we took inspiration from a couple of different places, Call of Duty, that sort of stuff, where you go around in sort of teams of single things. Um, and he cre- we created Dead Zone. And then Guy and Ronnie worked on the background. And they created this, um, what the plague really is. And went back in depth. and we quite, quite in depth into that. The whole first gen, second gen, third gen sort of sequence. And Dead Zone suddenly starts spawning stories about Nexus Psy. And how uh, the Council of Seven, this big bad batchy behind all the corporation, they exist. And they cordon off, cordon off whole quadrants of space. They make them just disappear from maps and stuff uh, for Dead Zone. Um, and there's going to be different types of dead zone. We're going to introduce new ones in the future and all that sort of stuff. And it really builds and feeds Warpath. And just that part of the story is scary. Like, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm waiting for you guys to find someone to, to write 
you know, because a lot of the, you know, you got your your, yeah. your Black Library, and I know Wild West Exodus, they've got mm-hmm. a bunch of books out. I want books about this. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Because seriously, just the idea that the count, that they can make entire quadrants disappear from, they have that oh, kind yeah. of power. This place doesn't even exist. Don't even look here. There's nothing here. You can't fly in it. You can't escape. It's gone. You know, yeah. The plague is that. If the plague breaks out, all hell is going to break loose. If they ever get to the Copa Sperity sphere, that's it. Yeah. And so the enforcers it, go in and, you know, they have to stop them. Uh, and, and so that's really exciting and what Dead Zone gives us the opportunity to do is make cool models in the Warpath universe it tells a story and we had to go with a short story compilation that's sort of fleshing out that kind of narrative right. um, but we also get to look at the Rebs in more detail we also get to look at the Marauders in more detail and suddenly those are being fleshed out and there's new troops and there's new units and those are all designed to go into Warpath you know that is it's directly there to feed so the scenery the models uh, the characters the stories it's all there it's all being set up for Warpath it's cool, and like, and the uniqueness of it is great. I love the story of the Marauders. I love that space orcs are not stupid. Yeah, they're actually amazing fighters, and they're clever. Yeah, and they've been hired as mercenary fighters, who basically eventually said, "Well, we've got all the, this money we've earned, and we've got all this weapons. We don't need you anymore." Yeah, and, and then so they that, rebel. They're doing their own. Thing. That's just so awesome. Yeah, I mean, the storyline is really top notch. Now, the other thing I really like about Dead Zone is I don't have to measure anything. No. That that two by two mat, all mm-hmm. those nice little squares. Each piece of terrain fits into those little squares. You can go higher or lower. You've got vertical as well as horizontal. So there's no measuring. There's no this. It takes a little bit to get used to. Well, this this square has a piece of that terrain in it, mm-hmm. but I'm not necessarily in cover yep. because sometimes there's a big gaping hole in it. So there's kind of cover, not really. It, yeah, it took was, me a couple of turns to get used to it. Once you get used mm. to it, it's so simple and so intuitive because... It took us ages to, to think of a cover system. You oh. know. I mean, how, how do you do it? You know, because you've got all these different shape walls, all that sort of stuff. And then one day, they just turned around and went, well, everything's in cover, actually. Um, it's only if you can see the whole model that it's not in cover. Know, and then you can shoot it and you get all these bonuses and you think, that's, that's genius. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the certain certain squares, counts, cover squares, but you know, it kind of layers, and you get that more in depth. But so let me principle. let me ask this just to clarify, because I know some of the some of the bits of terrain, it, you know, they've got the little squares. They almost look like like you know, mm-hmm. like backing containers almost. Yep. But I know some of them are mostly open, except it's got one little bar of metal going from the top right corner to the bottom left corner. Yep. So if a guy's standing behind that, and you look, and he's got that sort of stripe running down the middle of him, is that? Cover or because you can't see the whole model, it's but you by, by the letter of the rules, uh, that would be uh, cover, some so sort of cover. I'm going exactly. to say that, and I'm going to stick by that. And um, <laughs> if anyone wants to clarify, reject. That's absolutely fine. But yeah, um, my understanding, uh, as the rule is written, is if you can see the whole model and nothing but the whole model in its base, um, then it's in, uh, so it's great. Because so if if you're behind it, it's cover. But if you can look, if you got see, this is what's cool. And for anyone who hasn't played it, you got these squares. How big are each, is each square? Three by three, right? Each square is three by three, same as the scenery tiles. So you can move X amount of squares, yep. but you can place your model anywhere in that square. Yes. So if you're kind of behind cover, but if I can get into a square where I can see around it and see your whole model, your cover's blown. Yeah, you're going to get a full-on clean shot. You're just going to unload your clip in his face. It's going to be amazing. But if you're standing in front of that one with that stripe down, you're not 100% of the model, so you're going to get the cover bonus. But if my head, if where I place my model, I can see clearly to see you, it's 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 not just because I can see you, you can see me. I can benefit from the cover while oh, yeah. seeing you clearly. Yep. It's fant- and then you, you It's very you, cinematic like that. I mean it's it's it, let's take Call of Duty for example. Right. Um if you can you may well see your opponent, your opponent may may not see you. Uh and, and that sort of thing. And there's always those little tiny sniper shots where you know you can just see the like the edge of their head of top top of the 
their words top of their head top yeah. of their head is what I'm looking for thank you <laughs> um, yeah uh, and you know you can just right. just get them uh, and they never knew you were there yeah. or, or you come up behind and you just knife them Dead Zone is designed to have that kind of claustrophobic cinematic feel to it where you can do that sort of stuff on the tabletop um, yeah it's a lot of fun cool. and it really makes it was, it was an unexpected level of strategy mm. because I've got a 3x3 three three square to put my model in and if I put him an inch too far to one side, you know, if I slap yeah, him gotcha. right in the middle, well, now that guy's in cover. But if I'm right on the edge of the square, mm. now I can see this guy and that guy. But now I might be a little more open. So there's a whole level of strategy into just yes. placing your model in the squares. It's, it's very exacting, whereas at first it's like, well, I can move two squares and there's, a, there's nine square inches and it doesn't. It absolutely matters where you place your model. It models. absolutely does. It's, it's, it's hardcore. Yeah, it's definitely a hardcore game. It's fantastic. So, um, what's coming up? What's coming up? Well, currently, um, we well, for are Dead Zone. We'll oh, hit, for we'll Dead Zone. Yeah, oh, we'll okay. hit Red Ball and stuff like uh, that. Yeah. So we're um, we're releasing two new factions in August. Okay. Uh, we've just done the Incursion book, and we're doing the Asturians and the Forge Brothers, as I've already said. Right. Um, but you want to know what's after that, don't you? Yeah, that's if, what you're after. I'm looking for an exclusive. If there is one, if not, I understand. <laughs> the thing is, Kickstarter blows exclusives. Yes, because <laughs> you kind of know what's already coming. People have seen the zombies, right? People have seen the peacekeepers, right? And they're coming before the end of the year. They've released a retail before the end of the year. That's Fantastic! The plan. So we're going to do uh, Dead Zone Contagion as a book and as a box set, and there'll be some zombies, there'll be some ruins, and possibly some peacekeepers in what there as well. Depends on the spec and all that sort of stuff. Um, but that'd be a cool little box that people can pick up. And we're hoping we're hoping to have the hard plastic enforcers. Um, so we're going to get proper hard plastic troopers and the peacekeepers for the enforcers. And both of those frames, as we were saying before, they both kind of inform Warpath because it gives you basic troops. Uh, so you can build big armies, which is what Warpath is about. It's when you start getting that sort of full scale. So everything from Dead Zone just shifts across, and you can you can just use it straight in there. So Dead Zone Contagion is the uh, is the big one that's coming. Excellent. And of course, you know, wouldn't it be nice to introduce a new faction at some point? Yeah. <laughs> if they had whiskers and a tail, maybe. Who knows? Nice. I, yeah, I've uh, I can I can picture that in my head. I just, yeah. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> like we have another race that sort of fits that description. Um, <laughs> They'd be really cool to do. There's there's loads of other stuff. We want to do some more scenery. I'd like to do a new map. Um, so we'll yeah. see where we go. See what happens. All right. So I'm kind of jumping around here, but I know you're. Mm. I know we're uh, we're sort of on a time limit. So, um, Dreadball, uh, Dreadball, Dreadball has been doing fantastic. Dreadball it's is a phenomenon amongst amongst our games. It, yeah. It's it's it just keeps going and going and going. We're seeing leagues and clubs and all sorts. Well, it, you know what's great about it is people look at it and think, oh. Another sports game, another mm-hmm. and I, you know, another Blood Bowl. Yep. I mean, when I saw it, that's what I, I thought it looked like shiny Blood Bowl. And then as soon as I saw the rules and started, did, it, it, I think that's where it's taking off. It took a minute, or a, not a minute, it took a little while for people to realize it is completely different. In fact, the thing it reminds me of most is that weird sports game they used to play in Battlestar Galactica. I've had that said to me as well. Yeah, because yeah, that, that ball just shoots out, and you get it, and as soon as you score, it comes back yeah. out again. There's no pausing. There's no breaks. This game just runs. There are a couple of things. Oh, that's that. And it's like, we've never heard of that. It's Speedball as one. Well. Uh, the game from Battlestar Galactica was the other, and we're like, we've no idea what these things are. We just think we... The funny thing is, if you go back... I mean, how many variations on a, on a sport, on a taking a ball and scoring game can you do? But it was cool because when I saw it, I was like, I, it felt 
like something I'd always known because mm. I watched that show when I was seven. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's kind of like this game, only shinier, <laughs> you know? Um, and it is. It's great. And I, I, I see it, it, once people realize how fast, how quick, you're playing a game in 45 minutes, mm-hmm. unless you really screw up and get get slaughtered. Yeah, I think I've only ever seen one game like that. Um, <laughs> I've only had that happen to me once as well. That was embarrassing. Yeah. I've screwed up and had that happen to me. It's 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 kind of appalling, you know. Yeah, seven points on turn three is yeah. is pretty bad. Yeah, well, and that's the thing because if you're sitting there only planning on scoring, everyone's used to the I score, you stop, you reset, like a football game or something mm. like that. No, yep. <laughs> you move all on going. Yeah. yeah, I can move all my guys into your end, muscle my way in and score, mm. and then leave. And then, but now my entire backfield that ball pops out. I don't reset. I don't get to get to midfield. It's really interesting actually because I've just I've just come from demos. It's one of my voices a bit. Horse, um, and uh, it was interesting to see that how the, th- the three different demos I've just done, how the different players, uh, you, uh, different people play that use it to players in different ways. So the last one I had actually, someone was just moving all the players at the pitch. And you think in this game that's that's suicide because the ball's just going to shoot out behind. If you score, if you lose the ball at any point, I'm just going to run and score. Yeah. Whereas the others were a bit more careful, and you know they were they were kind of new to the genre. They kind of right. I understand sports games, but similarly, I'm just just going to hold myself back. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was it was really interesting actually. Just just kind of getting that kind of okay. Someone's clearly played blood bowl, blood bowl at some point, yep. and he's going to lose. And <laughs> um, these other people have uh, actually that's a, that's a challenge, you know. So yeah, it was it was pretty cool. That's actually I think that's almost the best way to sell it is when you got someone who's oh I played oh, really okay. Well if you good you've played blood bowl, let's play. Yeah, and then they play their typical tactics, and then they're getting pounded. Like wait a minute, like, no. All new tactics, all new games. See what I told you? It's fast. It's furious. You know you, that that reset is, is quite important, and and you know the positioning and the facing and all that sort of stuff. It's it's streamlined. It's quick. Um, yeah. We play on a Monday night. Uh, a couple of the guys from work and girlfriends and all that sort of stuff, and uh, we have a great time. I'm playing nameless at the moment. I've got jumping strikers. It's wicked. <laughs> it's very nice. All right, so any anything on the for, on the horizon for Dreadball? Well, Dreadball, uh, back in February, we did Dreadball Extreme on right. the Kickstarter. Right. Um, and that has um, allowed us to take the teams from 12 to 24. Oh, so we've geez. got three new seasons, 12 new teams, and a whole host of new MVPs and Giants and all that sort of stuff, plus the Extreme box itself and the expansion that comes with that. So we've got a ridiculous amount of stuff to make and do. Uh, but the sculpts are looking fantastic. We've got some awesome stuff like the Crystallans. Crystallans are one of my favourite. They're the um, they're kind of the ice monsters. They right. kind of got fused to the rock and stuff. And this alien race subjugated by the Forge Fathers. It's it's it's, it's my favourite. And then there's the Chorus as well, which is sort of wormhole. Subjugated by the Forge Fathers. Wait a minute. The Forge Fathers were the good guys. I thought. Uh, well, no one's. There's no. There's no such thing as a good guy. It's all, <laughs> all grey, you know. Uh, Forge Fathers are are in for material ultimately, and they don't care how they get it. They were strip mining this plane, this place. And uh, Crystallis and um, the, the locals fought back, and the, the locals lost. Yeah, and the locals <laughs> lost. Um, so yeah, they're really exciting. Uh, and then we've got some various other teams. We've introduced the Rebs, uh, the Plague Mutants get a team. Uh, this robots. That seems a little counterintuitive. I just got to say, with them, be- I, I I get what you're doing, yep. but how do you play with them when they're supposed to be cordoned off? <laughs> just- well, the thing is, the um, the way um, we've introduced the Rebs and the way we've introduced the Plague. Uh, it's the same way we introduced the Vermin and the Zor. Actually, the Vermin and the Zor are two alien races, very deadly. And just like in, uh, is it WWE? Yeah. I think it used to be something else. Right. Uh, WWF. Um, WW something. I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of them is designed to be the bad guy. Uh-huh. You know, one of them has got this persona made about them. They created this whole idea, this whole image around them is they're the bad guy. 
And so they're not really plague, but the corporations behind Dreadball, the GGB, have invented these teams to be the bad guy. It's to inform okay. public, position, public opinion. Nice. You've got to hate the plague. You've got to. So there's always a bad guy. Of course, you want that team to win. You want the Trontech 29ers to beat this plague team because they're the bad guy. They're the ones that are killing, you know, soldiers out in space. But they don't, you know, that sort of stuff. And that will get that will get people in the seats. Getting your, exactly. Your, that's okay. I did. I didn't. I did not realize that. It's a good explanation. It works. Fantastic. It does work. Um, oh, speaking of which, I know you just said this is finishing up on Kickstarter. I got to tell you, congratulations on the way your Kickstarters have been run because I've been in a bunch of them, and I always hear my friends are always like, oh, "My Kickstarter's been delayed another six weeks or another eight weeks." Um, you know, I've even heard people. I know I was in on the Kings of War. I'm yep. a huge Kings of War fan. I was in on the Kings of War Kickstarter. And then the next Kickstarter's coming out, and people are like, well, where's my Kings yeah. of War? It's, well, it's, it's not behind schedule, but the, the designers are done. It's, done. You know, the sculptors are done. Now, Absolutely. while that's... And it's, but you've always kept on schedule. If anything's been delayed, it's always been a couple of pieces in a short amount of time. Yeah. And like I said, there's a lot of Kickstarters that wind up seeing all these unforeseen delays, all this stuff. And it's six months, nine months, a year late. You hear horror stories. Mm. And you've run how many now? Uh, the one we're running at the moment is the sixth. The sixth, S- sixth one. Yeah, I've run them all. And you've, and, uh, and <laughs> I have nightmares. I remember sitting on the, you know, the comments page where people are commenting, and you'd pop in, you'd be like, "I've been up for forty-eight hours now, um, hitting it, refresh." Indeed, <laughs> I was actually uh, flying here on Wednesday, and uh, my plane was delayed, so um, they actually let us off the plane at one point, straight into the lounge, Kickstarter uh, comments, <laughs> get back on the plane, <laughs> off we fly. Just every now and again, it just cannot get it out of my head. Um, so yeah, yeah. And it's, but it is just great. And I just wanted to mention that because thank you. Uh, not every Kickstarter runs into delays, mm-hmm. but I just I have many friends who invest in bunches of Kickstarters, yep. and it's very frustrating when the thing you want is delayed six months or a year. It is. You know, I've actually stopped. I know your stuff's going to come, and I've been in on at least half of your Kickstarters. And I don't even pay attention anymore. Like, after the survey comes and says, mark everything, I mark it. Then I get an email saying, hey, you can download the rules until you get your box here. I download the rules. And then when they show up, it's a pleasant surprise. I know they're never going to be late. It's always got, you know what I'm saying? So I don't don't see, you're you're the one Kickstarter I've ever ever been in where I I know I don't have to worry about anything. It's always on time and it's always there. Um, we, we try really hard to, um, if, if there's one thing that we want to do, you know, really well, that's not, that's not true at all. Uh, it's not just one <laughs> thing we want to do really well, that's, that's bad. Uh, no, we want to make the highest quality we can, uh, we want to make the best figures we can, and we want to get them to on time. And so we strive for all three. And um, we've been fortunate that our timing uh, and our planning so far has been pretty good. Um, Kings of War, three shipments, or when we said they were going to be, Dreadball, three shipments, that happened. We're trying to get them down to smaller shipments because shipping's a pain. Um, <laughs> and very I love the pictures when you guys put up the pictures and tweet <laughs> the all pictures boxes. of just all the boxes and there's like 12 guys and you, uh, yeah. you, you've all got smiles on your faces, but I've, I've been in that position enough times working in shipping where I know that those, they're telling you to smile for the camera because oh, you're yeah. just like, oh, goodness. Dead Zone was grim. We, um, we, we were moving office. Um, we've moved there now, but at the time it was a bit dilapidated and the ceiling was leaking and it was raining and it was... It was a bit rubbish. Um, so, yeah, the smiles on that one may or may not be real. Um, but genu- generally, when we did Dreadboard, you know, we were all stood. And uh, it's a small company. Uh, and there were probably 12 of us in the building at the time. We all stood in a line. 
Um, and we just open these boxes and we just push them all up the line. And this is everyone. This is the people that do um, graphic design. This is people that do like, my, so my job is social media and all that sort of stuff. Um, well, and Ronnie even said he had some of his nieces and nephews and just did? family members just listen, yeah. help us out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, um, his, uh, his daughter is backing metal for us. Uh, and wives and girlfriends are helping and stuff because we want to get this out. You know, we want to get it made. And we did every copy of Dreadwolf for the Kickstarter in about three days. Oh, it's just a team of, team of us. You um, had thousands of backers, didn't you? Have like You had well yeah. over a thousand backers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was two, two and a half thousand backers. We made 5,000 copies because we had to make uh, the trade amount, uh, the sort of stuff for the retailers at right. the same time because um, that's the most efficient way to do it. Um, and yeah, we stood there for three days and we just packed these boxes and just got it done, you know. Wow. Let's do it. All right. So let's jump back to Mars Attacks. Yep. You, you have the demo. So what's going on with that? Because yep. I, like I said, I'm, I'm excited about this one. Yeah. So uh, Mars Attacks is on the water at the moment and it's uh, it's heading into the warehouse uh, and we can't wait to, to get it and trip it out. Um, and we've, yeah, we've got the demo. We've got production copy. So it's a real thing. Uh, and people can come and have a play. They can they can see how it works before they get their copy, uh, and uh, all the other stuff, the cool robot, the saucer, the truck, all that all that fun stuff. It's uh, we're seeing samples, and it's it's all going into production, and it's just crazy. It's, it's so nice. It's all great, and it's all it's all running on schedule. I did see the demo copies. Um, one of the things I like about it mm-hmm. is it is a, a board game. Yep. Basically, with miniatures, yep. uh, you can expand it up with the, with the future stuff if you want to. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the the single color plastic, the mul- the different colors. Yep. So if I buy this for my brother in law, who's a big Mars Attacks fan, yep. but will not put brushed model, doesn't matter. It. No, absolutely. It's we we looked at it and we kind of think, okay, what, who's the sort of person who's going to you know pick this up? And it's going to be. Fans of the IP, or fans of something crazy, or casual, or, or whatever. You know, there's a whole variety of people that are going to pick the game up. Right. Um, but they may not be the hardcore hobbyists that pick up Dead Zone. Okay. Right. Not everyone knows how to assemble a model. Not everyone knows how to clip stuff off a sprue or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, um, the difference between the battle zones in Mars Attacks and the battle zones in Dead Zone is they come off their words. They all come <laughs> off the sprue for you. They're just in a bag of tiles. That you oh, just okay. clip them in. So you don't have no cutting to do. All the figures come ready to play, assembled for you, uh, in coloured plastic, even apart from the helmets. They're detachable. So if you want to paint the figures, you can. You can still get to the face. Um, and it just comes out of the box. Take it out of the box, put it on the table, away you go. Nice. Yeah. Nice and accessible. And I, I was I was watching the demo going before we came in here mm-hmm. and the people were having a lot of fun with it. I'm very like I said, I'm very excited. I'm a huge Mars Attacks fan. In fact, I'm considering my aunt when I was growing up. <laughs> she my my aunt my, my dad's youngest sister, mm-hmm. she was only like sixteen years older than me. And um so as I got a little older, she was the one who would always sit and watch all the old you know, the universal horror movies with me and stuff. Yep. She liked all that stuff and um we we've always we've always been big sci-fi nuts. I'm, I'm sending her a copy for Christmas <laughs> if, if once I get it because I know this is something that even my aunt who doesn't play a lot of games mm-hmm. will play this. Like this will be a family night game for her. She's going to love it. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we've got got a couple of copies in the stand. Uh, so if you want to pick up your copy, uh, you can take that home with you today if you want. Oh, that might be cool. I might have yeah. to do that. And then we can show you the rest of the stuff when it ships in uh, end of August. Oh, God, I might have to do that. I yeah. have to do that. Come by the stand. I'll sign you up. Fantastic. Fantastic. There you go. All right. So we've covered your, your big stuff. So let's, uh, let's dial it back while we've still got some time here. Yep. Um, Kings of War. Kings of War. Yes. Uh, Kings of War is pretty exciting at the moment because we are in the... Uh, by the time this goes out, for the third week of the Kickstarter. At the time, the moment we're halfway through uh, of Dungeon Tiger. Okay. Yes. And um, in the same way that Dead Zone feeds... 
Warpath? Dungeon Saga feeds Kings of War. Well, why don't we talk... Yeah, let's talk about Dungeon Saga. Because when I first saw it, I was like, I already have Dwarf King's Hold. Yep. And it seemed similar, but it's obviously it's not the same. So um, Dwarf King's Hold almost seems like it was like the prototype, like... You wanted to get out a board game type thing because yeah. it's a fun game. My son and I play it. I think, I think that's fair to say. Uh, we were a um, small company at the time, smaller than we are now, because still a small company. <laughs> um, and Jake came to us and he was talking to Ronnie about making a game. And uh, there were two games on the table. One was a fancy dungeon crawler and uh, the other one was actually a uh, zombie game. Okay. Uh, in a research center. And having seen the success of Zombie Side, <laughs> we went to Wolfkies Hold. But anyway, um, we went the wrong way. Well, maybe not the wrong way. Whatever, whichever. But uh, you know, um, I, Dwarfkin's Hole is a fun game. It is a fun game, and it you know you can do, you can look now and say that. But on the same token, there's a bajillion. I mean, I walked through exactly. here and saw seven new zombie games, and yep. it's like I'm zombied out. I have zombies. I'm zombied out. So yep. you don't necessarily want. I, I you know, it's almost a mistake to get another zombie game out there. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think, uh, and, and the zombie side guys do it fantastically well. Oh you yeah, know, so. We'll just leave that over there. It's a phenomenon to itself. Um, <laughs> whereas Dwarf King's Hold, Dwarf King's Hold at the time was a product of what we could do. And so um, we had to, we couldn't make any new models for it. It had to be the plastics we already had. Um, um, Jake made this, this great game based around it. And it was a great way for us to shift some units and get our name out there and expose ourselves to new players. Mm-hmm. When it came back round to do um, look at Dwarf King's Hold again, we kind of, Jake had always had this idea for doing the, the hero version. And uh, it just we were planning it for last year. We kind of put it back because we weren't sure. Okay, we don't know how popular this is going to be. We don't quite mm-hmm. know what it is. No one can really agree. So we'll give it some time. Uh, and so it kind of got incubated for a bit. And uh, all of a sudden, it just burst out. It's like, right, we're doing this. Um, and it is the successor. So it's a replacement for. It's not Dwarf King's Hold 4. It is in the same style as Dwarf King's Hold. But it is the game we, we can make now with the, with this I'm going to use the word phenomenon again because why not? Uh, <laughs> with, with Kickstarter, the Kickstarter platform allows us to do crazy things. They're cool, um, and so we said, okay, what do we want from Dungeon Crawler? What if we could have done Dwarf Kings Hold again? What would we have done? Well, we've got experience with ready-to-play plastic colored miniatures, so we're going to do that. Okay, uh, Mars Attacks. The plastics were fantastic. We saw them. Right, that material. Um, we could do thick card. We've got contacts now. We can do that sort of stuff. So we're going to do a proper thick descent quality sort of tiles for this thing. We're going to do the heroes. It has a little bit of a descent feel. Bec- I know in the in Dwarf King's Hold, mm. one guy's the dwarf trying to get the... Tr- and the other guys have the undead. Yep. So now that undead role has sort of been replaced by like a dungeon master, Yep. Uh, for lack of a better term. But now you can have multiple players on that other side you can uh yeah so um it's it's heroes versus the necromancer and and, and the core bad guy in the dwarf king's quest set is uh, is that necromancer and he's got a whole load of un, uh, undead but he's also got a couple of different characters in there as well so he gets his own heroes one of the things we really wanted to target with this was um that role of the dungeon master a lot of people don't like playing the dungeon master they think it's a bit boring uh, whereas Stuart in the office he always plays a dungeon master because he likes being evil in hero quest <laughs> and stuff right he just does that okay he's uh, he showed me how to play hero quest before we did the kickstarter and i'd never played before right and uh, he's like i've been dungeon master you just don't get a choice i'm just <laughs> doing it and i'm gonna i'm gonna mess your heroes up um, nice yeah exactly so and he designs on the models and stuff and yeah, uh, so we set about creating all these different things. It's like, okay, so we want this sort of simple, accessible dungeon crawler board game because no one makes that. No, we can we can kind of see no one's got that kind of mass market, readily available dungeon crawler at affordable price point at the moment. So we're going to do that. 
uh, and then we're going to do this book, and it's going to be the Adventurous Companion, and that's going to have all of the uh, complicated stuff. Okay. Stuff that veterans like, design your own character, character classes, all that sort of stuff, experience systems, gold, everything you could possibly want is, is what we want to put in that book. And we want to make it sub-leveled, and so that um, Billy the Kid can walk into a gaming store in, uh, I don't know, Indianapolis, why right. not, since we're here, and they can pick up it and they can get gaming straight away. Cool. Billy the Kid in 20 years' time, when uh, he's still got Dungeon Saga, but now he's got Billy the Paladin with his magic hammer of doom going around this dungeon that he's created himself and he's playing with six other players or five other players or whatever, the Ventures Companion allows you to do that. And then with the Kickstarter itself, we've got to add additional stuff in. So we've got solo play and we've got rules of fully co-op. Okay. So if you want to play with uh, your kids um, and you want to be on the same side but no one wants to play the Dungeon Master, well, the cards could do that for you. If you nice. Want to, if, if you're a Stuart and you want to play on your own and you want to play as the bad guy, uh, you can just be the Necromancer and the cards can control the heroes instead. Oh, so that's really cool. So you both ways. usually on a single player mode, you play the heroes mm-hmm. and the cards. Play. So you can play either side. Yep, you can mess stuff up. Oh, nice. Yeah, and the whole story is set in the Kings of War universe. This is this is how we got into this, um, and it's set in the sort of eastern region. Okay, uh, of Dithith. Right. However you pronounce that. Um, and we'll let Ronnie stick to those pronunciations. I'm not e- certain either. Exactly. So <laughs> it's assessing the dwarven hold of Dolgarth. Like I can do that one. <laughs> okay. And it's about this necromancer, and there's a great flood over the over the halls of uh, Dolgarth, and it killed everything. Um, so there are all these dead bodies there, and he's got this book, and this book's very, very powerful. It's this artifact that's been hidden there uh, underneath the ground by the, uh, uh, the dwarves. And uh, he's raising an army. And so the dwarves, the elves, and the humans go, uh oh. You know, this is bad. You know, this is army raising. So, let's get our armies together. And so, this informs Kings of War because these giant armies are going to be ra- being raised um, by the by the living to combat this army of darkness. Okay. Um, but let's try and stall him. So they're going to send these heroes in, and they send in Olaf and Madriga and Rodin, Daenor to uh, go and you know try and stop the Necromancer. None of them really think they're going to do it. They just want to kind of, you know, distract him well so they can get their armies together. Okay. And so the heroes, the, the story of Dungeon Saga is the heroes going in and trying to kill the Necromancer. And, you know, that'll have two outcomes. One of two outcomes. Either they're going to get killed, probably be a zombie troll, they're going to get eaten, <laughs> um, or they're going to succeed. And they're going to come out of the dungeon and there's going to be three armies waiting for them ready to, you know, kill everything. And there's just going to be this barbarian there with the head of a Necromancer. Nice. Um, and so it's, it's doing the dead zone approach in that we're focusing right in on a little area and uh, that expands out into a form, perhaps, uh, a major event in the King's War storyline. And I, I like it because I was looking on the Kickstarter, you know, last night and just kind of checking out things mm-hmm. before we came to talk. And um, the fantasy small skirmish level, yep. you know, fantasy fantasy, not, you know, out like the weird miniatures or yep. not the Wild West, but, you know, uh, and nothing against those. I you know, all these different systems have their cool thing, yep. but it was just straight up pure elves and dwarves and orcs fantasy. Yep. Little skirmish is, I mean, well, there was one and it hasn't been supported in I don't know how long. Absolutely. It's, um, and it's a different proposition to Hero Quest. Yeah. Uh, and it's a different proposition to Descent. It has its own space. It's, right. It's somewhere between. Uh, so it has that. Hero Quest is very, very simple to learn, uh, yeah. but it wasn't very tactical. Um, 
from from what certainly from what I played, it was it was it was oh wasn't, sure yeah. And so you know we've got things in there. And it's amazing the difference that the small corridors make and you know, outnumbering and stuff. So it's much more tactical. Um, but it has all those deep things in there that allow you just to create your characters and stuff. And you're in a dungeon. Yeah, you know? descent's great, and you go through all these overworld areas and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's 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 not quite in a dungeon. Right. Uh, and so we have all these different things. We're going to have plastic furniture, which we're currently funding at the moment. And by the time this gone out, has gone out, may well have been funded. Who knows? <laughs> uh, the whole campaign may have collapsed by now. But uh, I sincerely hope not. It means I've done something very <laughs> wrong. Um, but yeah. You've got some splaining to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. One week to go. It's the second most supported Kickstarter we've ever done as a company. And Chris, you've messed it up. What have you done? <laughs> No, it, it does look great. And I've seen and the pictures of, of the the individual hero models, especially the undead individual hero models. As a guy who plays your undead army for Kings of War. Yep. I like I like those little those uh, the skeleton champion and stuff like that. Those those are going I mean Excellent. That's yeah. what we like to hear. And those are the ones I just want to get extras of because for my skeleton units for Kings of War, you know, you always have to have that champion in the middle. Dude, that guy would stand out really he would. nice right in that unit. Oh, he would. Yeah. So, um, you know, congrats on that being, I mean, that funded, that funded in minutes, didn't it? It I was mean, a record for us. It was $50,000 in four minutes. This <laughs> is just like, what, what other business, what, what other time would our company make that amount of money in that sort of business? And none. That one. It, it was just incredible. And, you know, we had no idea what it was going to do. We really didn't. Um, you know, we could have set up this $100,000 goal and, you know, we could have been there for weeks. Who knows? Um, and luckily, we've 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 pulled it off, and uh, it seems to be going. And the thing is, you're doing it about at about 100 to 150 dollars at a time. It seems like that's because that's always your. You guys, you you have a, a nice math. There's always that sweet spot. It's between yeah. a, every one of your kickstarters. It's like, listen, here's if you just if you want to get in and you don't want to be picking and choosing, and you're not the because yep. there are some of those completest people out there. There are absolutely, and God bless them. If you, you know, I mean, I love, I love looking at your different levels and seeing those people who are backing at two thousand oh, dollars or yeah. three thousand and getting their own character written into the game, dude. Seriously, if I had enough money to get my own to get myself written into Kings of War, I'd have done it. Yep. just because that would be so awesome. It would be cool, and you become part of the history, become part of the background, exactly, and part of the history of the company as well. Yeah, and not okay. A couple of things. A, I would think it's cool. Mm-hmm. My daughters would think it's cool. Mm-hmm. My family would think I'm crazy. My students, <laughs> I would bring in and show my students, and they would just shake their heads. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many levels of geekiness to doing that. I mean, it's so cool when people do it. But yeah. seriously, to hit $50,000 at about 100 bucks a pop yep. is just... In four it, minutes. In four minutes. crazy. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, and, it, and it's fantastic, too. Yeah, it was, it was utterly insane. And uh, we, we couldn't be happy with the way it's going, uh, really. Um, and you know it was it was all about that backer number, and so we tried to make it really accessible. We've tried to make it a low buy, and actually this time we haven't done that many pledge levels. Uh, we've only just done the the one main dungeon master. The last two got a bit complicated, and we tried different things. Um, we tried to make it so that, that you know we appealed to those completionists and appealed to those people that wanted to set their own pledge. Um, but actually, because it's a new system, most people don't really know what to buy or right. don't know what they need. So. Okay, here's this pledge. This gives you everything you need. It gives you a ton of cool extras. Thank you for supporting us. Here's some exclusives. We'll keep adding more as we go. Boom. Yeah. Where are we going? Yeah, seriously. I mean, and it's it's nice to know you've got such a solid fan base mm. that you know. I mean, when you when when these things are announced, you've got people that are in there and because they know your Kickstarter's are quality. I yeah. mean, so it's fantastic. So wow, I think we've covered. I think we have I just about we... almost. Any. So 
Okay, now I know we've got the the the, the Dwarf Kings saga. Yeah, okay, I'm trying to remember all the names. See, we can't remember it either. We call it all sorts of things. It's Dungeon Saga, the Dwarf Kings Quest. But okay, Dungeon oca- saga. Occasionally okay. it's Dungeon Quest. Occasionally it's Dwarf Saga. <laughs> we can't remember. We had such problems renaming this darn game. It was unreal. So the Dungeon Saga. Now yeah. this is a part one. So there's going to be obviously more. Eventually, you have plans for more. Yep. We've got the first expansions in, uh, okay. and that introduced orcs and goblins and some new tiles and some new missions and stuff. And um, we have a second expansion, uh, and this is the one you're interested in because you want to know what's next to Kings of War. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, the second expansion introduces, for the first time, a new army to Kings of War, which we haven't done before. Is it? Uh, is it the elementals? It's the other one. The d- the demons. Uh huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Nice. Yep. Like I'm totally fanboying out. Uh, fanboying out, and I know it, folks. And I know you're sitting there listening, going, "David is just so fanboying out," and I am. <laughs> so shut up. <laughs> because, dude, I, I do. I, I like my Kings of War. Um, I like. I like what you did with it. I like it. It's got its own unique feel. It's it's simple to teach. Yep. It's fun from a hobby standpoint because it's about your footprint, not about your individual models. Uh, I love what you did with your ogres. Thank you. Just the oversized, big, muscular. It's got to be done, isn't it? Yeah, it had to be done. There were Remy sculpts, and they're beautiful. Yeah, they are, and they're. I mean, but they're like big, like they're like oversized superhero-looking type guys. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, big, yeah. angry, muscular monstrosities. Um, the entire concept of the um, the Basilian with the angels, oh, the angels and the paladins. I mean, <laughs> seriously, my son is so excited about the, the angels paladins. and the paladins. Yeah, paladins are awesome. It's 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 such a it's such a great and plus you know I got all the fluff books I, I bought in that was the one thing on the Kickstarter I always buy all the books yeah and I got the heroes book so you get to read all the different hero stories and it starts filling in especially with the uh, with the elves and the and the and the shattered mirrors and the, yeah. and the stories and if you haven't read it folks it's 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 a great read um, because that was my one in fact when I talked to Ronnie back when Kings of War first came out yep I'm like I love the game but my biggest problem is I I don't just no background. Exactly. I, I, I don't have any love for the armies other than these are cool models in a cool yep. game. And as your world is starting to fill out, it's just it, they're really fantastic stories. And it's, it's really unique. It's taken on its, its own flavor, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is nice to see. Yep. Because especially being at Gen Con when you walk around. And, I mean, I, I, walked, I, I walked past no less than 100 fantasy board games with models on it. Um, and they all seem the same. And when it, when I get to back to King, every time I get back to Kings of War and I'm picking up the books, it's like, no, this is a really, I, I just, I really, I, the, the flavor's great. The whole flooded areas. I mean, you really brought in stuff that's just, it's, it's not just another game, which, mm-hmm. it, you know, so often they fall into that category where it's, yeah. if you can play it on a board, I don't need a big background. And you guys realized that you needed that. And I love that you're fleshing it out. Yep. And then it, it's not something that you can kind of do uh, overnight. No. Uh, and so, yeah, when we when we first started, we had had no background, no concept of a world or whatever. We just had some elves. Uh, and there's some undead and some dwarves. Uh, I think at the rules. Okay, so now there's a game. Just, you know, Mantic Games has a game. <laughs> Whee! <laughs> Only took a year and a half or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, we start adding the background in. And then each of the source books introduces a little bit more. Uh, and then something like Dungeon Saga uh, allows us to introduce a new race that we haven't done before, same way we did in Dead Zone, and we can we can say, okay, well, here are the different units. There's more units in there than there are in the uh, Abyssal Army list. 
for example. Oh, nice. So there's new stuff that people don't even know exists uh, that they're going to be able to use for the Kings of War army when we do a Kings of War project because they'll be the next army. You know, it informs it. Excellent. Um, and so, yeah, that's really exciting. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, as everyone can tell. So let me ask you this, and, and we'll wrap up with this. So you, you've got your Dungeon Saga. Yep. Got it right. Um, do you, uh, I'm assuming your next Kickstarter, at least ideas, are already in the works. Do we have any idea what's what's coming down the pike? Ooh. Oh, oh! If you can't tell me, I understand. But I'm always looking for that exclusive. It's my yeah, job. I think uh, there are a couple of different projects we'd like to do. We'd like to have another look at another license. So I'm sure people have opinions on what they'd like us to uh, focus on. <laughs> so I'm sure there's somewhere on a forum where you can uh, you can drop those if uh, if you've got one that you'd like us to have a look at. Um, but I think there are two things I've alluded to into this interview mm-hmm. um, that uh, might make the uh, interesting Kickstarter projects. I'm I'm really looking forward to. I I, I admit you have to I come am, back through the interview and see. Yeah, those exactly. Two things scroll well. back. I I admit my big thing is I I I, I Dead Zone's really cool, and it's got it's got some great feel. And um, the demos out there, it's simple, it's fun. Um, but I am looking for. Big tanks and planes, and I'm looking for that squad. I'm, I'm waiting for the Warpath Kickstarter. I know it's coming down the pike eventually. It's, it's not next. It's not. Yeah. Um, I don't expect it to be because I know you got to keep filling it in with the with the with the dead zone stuff. Yeah, we we, we wanted to do it this year, um, and we still haven't quite been able to get into a place where uh, we're happy with the rules. Um, so we're just going to spend some extra time just working on that. Um, and we've I've actually seen some concepts. For tanks and some flyers, um, very exciting. So yeah, I'm not going to tell you what they are, but um, yeah, okay. I've seen some. It's, they've been drawn; they're, they're slowly getting there. I've seen some 3D prints flying around as well. Just going, going from strength to strength. You guys are doing everything right, man. Thank you for, for what, like about twenty for about two dozen guys. Yep. Worldwide, you guys. Yeah, and that's, that's a lot. Of, there's a lot of people for us. I remember I started back <laughs> in 2009. There were three of us in an office. <laughs> Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, it's it's shocking to think that all this stuff you're doing and all this Kickstarters and all this stuff getting out all over the world and all things, and you got a couple dozen guys yeah. and, and their families when it comes to packaging up all this, all oh, this yeah. stuff. Yeah, and all the tears as well. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you work so hard, it's long hours. <laughs> but it's fantastic. So, listen, thank you so much for coming on. I've had you far longer than I had any right to ask you on for, so. I love talking. I really do appreciate it. And uh, folks, we will be right back. Chris, anytime you want to come back on, you know you're welcome. Fantastic. Thank you very much. All right, guys, I'm heading back to Gen Con. I got I to gotta go and buy more toys. We'll be back. Hello, Joker here, transmitting straight from the guts of Gotham City. When I'm not busy planting bombs in hospitals, I'm usually listening to Garage Gamer. And I thought my jokes were bad. <laughs> okay, folks, and I am back again, and now I am back with the man himself, <laughs> Ronnie Renton from Mantic Games. Ronnie, thank you for coming on my again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me back. This is the third uh, third Gen Con in a row we've been sitting there down to talk. Go. It flies by. It comes around. He goes ages away. He says, oh, it's always tomorrow. Uh, I, I, I really think the first one, you had just finished up your Kings of War Kickstarter when we had yeah, first spoken. Okay. <laughs> Really? Here it is. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Here there it is, go. five so, Kickstarters later, and you're on your newest one. So how is the new one going? Oh, we're very, very pleased. I mean, we Dungeon Sagas, Dwarf King's Quest. We've done those Dwarf King's games early on. It was one of our first game products where we've been using hard plastic. We'd always wanted to do the classic, you know, the hero quest style 
dungeon crawl with the elf, the dwarf. But that was new tooling. Then we were just going to reuse our old sprues. But, well, that's not really applicable anymore. So, Kickstarter main, we can do it exactly as we wanted to. We've just gone through... Uh, furniture, so plastic furniture as we speak. I'm not checked, but I'm assuming that it went a few hours ago. <laughs> so I've not got data, so I'm guessing about five hours ago. Yeah, okay, I'm going to check now. We're going to check it. But plastic furniture has gone in the game, which is one of those lovely pieces that if we hadn't funded out, couldn't have got done because it's got plastic tooling behind it. It's an expensive component. Right. Uh, and it really was, you know, if we can get up to this level, guys, we can put this in. We're through that. We've just got an expansion hitting, so the orcs and goblins are appearing. There's going to be a whole new set of scenarios for those. Nice. Uh, so we're really getting into the jam time. You know? This actually leads me to a question. When you did the, the first your Kings of War Kickstarter, yeah. even on the post, because I, I bought in early on that, and I was watching the, the comments and the quotes, and you guys had even basically said, wow, we were, like, you were kind of scrambling yeah. for... Yeah. So now that you're on your sixth, I mean, is... Are, are, <laughs> You've got this all planned out, I'm assuming. You're, you're an old hat at we, this. Yeah. So, I mean, are, you're not coming close to running out, though, are you? Like, if, if you can... Believe me, there's more ideas than there is. You know, <laughs> after the last Kickstarter, people said, well, you know, Ron, yeah, but we've got to eat. <laughs> and so that's why this one is 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. We didn't do plastic tiles because that's 200 bucks right there. Because you right. need 100, 100 you know, to get the whole thing. There was other reasons, too. You couldn't get this choice and the shapes that we wanted. so But you didn't need it, so don't do it. Because what I'd much rather have is twice as many backers in for 100. Right. Trying the game out, enjoying it, and then expanding it than a few guys having to put a lot of money onto every single one. And heavy cardboard tiles work just as well. I mean, To be honest, we played it, and I, and I wanted to do plastic. You know, I started with the point and said, let's do plastic. And, but it, it, it doesn't work as well. It's not even, you know, for this stuff... For what we're trying to do with the game, actually, we're better. You get more choice. It's easier to add more. So it just works on every level. And it kept the value at 100 bucks, which is, which is where we wanted to. And you've got to strike that balance between half the people saying we've got to eat and the other people saying, shut up and take my money. Well, there's still plenty <laughs> of money thrown at the screen. And, uh, you know, with resin collectibles, a couple of expansions, those that want to spend a bit of money are still going to find plenty of ways to, um, to, to, to drop some cash. But you put, you put plastic scenery in there, it, it might get, it'll double it. Yeah. It'll straight off, straight off the bat, double it. Absolutely. So, you've got this going. Um, the booth is going haywire. I actually picked up my... Uh, Mars Attacks. My Mars Attacks. Great. Well, I totally... You know what? I get so many emails because I've, I've backed up so yeah. many of your Kickstarters. So, sometimes I kind of just like quickly yeah. go through. I didn't even realize I could pick it up here. And then yeah. Chris is like, are you picking yours up? I'm like, can I? Yeah. So, I brought it upstairs last time. My wife saw it. My wife is a huge... Like, ever since... Like, even when she was a kid, we were both fans of the comics and the cards. She's like, where did you find that? I'm like, dude, that's the Kickstarter. And she was so excited, she didn't even say, what Kickstarter? Yeah. So, <laughs> you knew better. <laughs> so... Um, You've got all this going. I have a question, though. Yeah. Now, I know um, a dead zone is booming. It's doing so well. And I know that is – I was talking to Chris before, and it's sort of like, you know, you're, it's, it's war – I almost call it Warpath colon dead zone. It's like your skirmish version yeah. for Warpath. In the world of, yeah. I got to ask, because you know I'm a Kings of War fanatic. Yeah. Any pa- idea for maybe a dead zone colon Kings of War? A dead zone colon Kings of War. Yes. Oh, okay. So, that, you, want, you want more than that? If you've got more, I'll take it. But I was just. So, I mean, the, 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 I've, I've chatted about this a little bit. We've got three or four good ideas lined up. The key ones are 
we do things in the Kings of War and Warpath universe. Mm-hmm. So they're set in there, but then within each one there's different flavours. So for example, Dungeon Saga set in Kings of War. Right. The dwarf looks like the dwarf as if it was an army. You can use him as a hero in your army, you know? Right. The skeletons and zombies can be heroes and just use training units. But that's a little bit about story. There's a nice backstory we've done about the you know, the necromancer coming and actually they're preparing their armies because they think the necromancer's going to win. So we may well fight that scenario too. Right. But the actual gameplay is very simple, very straightforward. It's an accessible way into the Mantic world and the world of Kings of War. Knowing that at the end, you know, Kings of War is a 1,500 point, you know, <laughs> 200 figure slog of uh, building an army and collecting all that stuff up. So uh, although it's in the world, it's at either end of the scale. That obviously means that right in the middle, there's that place that says, how about a warband? Uh-huh. Let's play it on a two-by-two map. Let's put a ruined castle all over it. That's what I wanted to hear. I want some mantic and when fantasy we talk terrain. About, correct. And when we talk about plastic scenery, why do it in a dungeon that doesn't need it? And why? No, don't. Do it on the Kings of War skirmish game, which needs it, which begs for it, which wants it. It's going to look fantastic. It's going to give you your Kings of War terrain right at the same time. Yep. Because it'll be three-inch squares. It'll be entirely compatible. Let's get King Walls. Boom, boom, boom. Let's get that out. Let's do it early next year. Early next year. Okay. So now I know when they say, what do you want for Christmas? The answer is cash. Cash. <laughs> piles and piles of oodles of it. Put it in the corner. Everybody already it. asked it, but now I can earmark it. Yeah. What do you want cash for? Okay. Yeah. Kings of War. Kickstarter. Next month. Two months. Got to yeah. get it. Yeah. Excellent. Start saving. <laughs> you heard it here first, yeah. folks. Another exclusive. <laughs> and we can't, uh, you know, I can't. Th- those are the ones we say. If it's going to have buildings, it's got to go where it can go. We're going to. So, you know, I can't make it hundred bucks. No, well, it'll, it'll start there. But, yeah. You know, it's going to be. You're going to have two factions. You're going to want more. You're going to have a load of sculpts. You have a load of tooling. It's got to be able to run. It's got to have room to breathe. It's got to fund. So you know. Um, well, even if, it's at, even, even if it's at the higher level, you, so, so you may not fund in, what, 12 minutes like you've been doing lately? It was four, actually. It was four. <laughs> there you go. So on. this one may take 12 minutes to fund if it's got all the middle of it. But Let's see. So, got, how does that make you feel, that you've got a, a, a dedicated fan base that you're like, listen, next month we're putting out this, yeah. and they're just sitting at the computers waiting for it to start? Because you've got a lot of backers here in America, and we're six up. So when you started yeah. there, we're sleeping. These yeah, guys are staying well, up. Well, I mean, we're going kind of like, which we go, we literally say, what time is it? It's six, seven, eight o'clock in the morning, depending yeah. on where in the U.S. it is. We're trying to say, just before work, or just arrive at your desk, in the U.K. it's lunchtime. Yep. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to get that. And it's, 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 it is just the most exciting, you know, couple of hours of, of the, that and the last day. Oh, yeah. You Work know, was insane. And I think the last couple, because we've had quite big pledges, our fans have come in at the beginning, but they've sped up. They've gone 375, all right, I'm all in. And what I'm loving about this one is most people are 100, maybe 125. Yep. There's toys coming out. They're enjoying seeing, but they're actually going, oh, some are throwing in a bit more. If something they want comes out. But quite a lot of them come in, go, look, there's 100 bucks. I'll come back on the last day, and I'll see what's going on. Yeah. And so we could be building for a really lovely last weekend on this. The more it gets backed, the bigger it gets. The bigger it gets, the more people go, yeah, you know what? That's a crazy deal. I'm having it. Exactly. So, but, uh, so I'm really hoping, touching wood, that we can have a real fantastic last weekend as well with this one where 
three, four, five, six new tools get funded on the last day or crazy stuff happens and they're, they're exciting and they're really good fun as well. So I remember that with Dreadball. In fact, I remember getting yeah. to work and it was supposed to start and I drove to work and I, got, I drove to work early so that I could get in there and jump on the computer and by the time I got into my room and opened up and turned the computer on, it had already funded, and all the early birds were going. I'm like, oh, God, it's been like that. I'm only a few minutes late. And then I remember sitting there on the last day, just clicking on the refresh yeah. with the comments from the people who back five. going, yeah. come on, let's get, come on, guys, throw in a few more dollars. Somebody throw in another $20. we got to hit this. And I think that's all the fun. And that's why I didn't like about those big back of pledges, because it's simple, but it's like, it makes sense on the Sunday afternoon. But the fun of funding out and seeing where it's going and the momentum rolling and people backing it. That is really exciting as well. And what I decided by them when, when uh, Heath just showed me the number, then is we're at three thousand and seven ninety-eight backers, so three thousand one hundred. That is probably, I think, now our second highest backer number. What was the largest? Dead zone. So we are three thousand one hundred and sixteen. Unfortunately, we're still a thousand one hundred eight dollars. Sure, we won't be by the time you hear this. <laughs> yeah. If this was a live podcast, I would say, get on there and a pledge, God damn it. We need to get over that <laughs> God of furniture. Um, but yeah, that is our second highest back number. That's, that's and fantastic. And we've got 14, 15 days to go. And we could have that real sweet spot on the last day where it's only 100 bucks to buy in. All those people that have sat on the fence and thought about whether I will. I've never done a Banty game before. They come in and it just builds the world. People can see the quality of the miniatures. They see the simplicity of our gameplay, and, and the whole build thing gets bigger again. Well, and Chris and I did discuss yesterday, and you know, I, I was kind of fanboying out. It was funny, but I did point out how this is your sixth Kickstarter, and you've had five Kickstarters with no unreasonable delays, yeah. which is a huge thing. People yeah. coming in, and they've already heard me say it on this show, is if you're going to jump in, you know when they say you're going to get the first shipment in three months, the second shipment three months after that, the third one three months after that. The worst that happened is I think I got one that's like, this, this sprue will come in your second shipment, not here, because it's yeah. there's well, no... Well, two, and you know, we got a third shipment on the dead zone, which we didn't want to do. on two. There was two sprues late. I couldn't delay. I'd said July was like the absolute deadline I wanted it. Hey, you know, May, June, July, but July was the final. So right, we ship it, and we'll just put these two in a post. It cost us many thousands of dollars. Um, but... People wanted their Wave 2 stuff. We wanted to get it out to trade. Exactly. So we needed the momentum. So we just have to take the call you've got to make, and if we promise it, we deliver it. That's what we're about. Yeah, and like I said, that's, that's one of the things I like about it, is I know when I back a Mantic thing, I'm going to get... I, I stopped even worrying about it. It's, it's, almost yeah. like, it's almost like Christmas. I back it. I don't even check when it's going to come. I just know every couple months a package from... You got another package from England. I bet it's Mantic. Yep, okay. <laughs> just add it to yeah. And it's nice, and I think that's where... It just becomes, once you've taken the first, toys just arrive. And they arrive in a nice big pile, and you can really dive in and have that fantastic weekend. And it's a fun day because even the kids gather around when they see the package came from England. My daughter's like, "What kind of what kind of models well, you got, Dad?" Yeah, come on, we got it. Exactly. So, and Ronnie, I know you're really busy, so yeah. I'm just gonna. So, what's what's coming up? Like, well, what, you know, let the tell whatever you want to tell them. Yeah. Because everybody's chomping at the bit for the next thing. This it always. I mean, I think the, the, the exciting things we've obviously covered that we're going to keep supporting Kings of War. We love the world. It's really getting to an interesting place. Dungeon Sagas, I hope, is going to introduce new people to it. And, uh, you know, soon, next two or three, one of the next Kings of War will be a kind of skirmish game. We're also going to add back to the Kings of War core game. We're going to give a battle book, update all the army lists, tidy up the core rules, put that out, maybe fund the abyssals at the same time. I'm calling it a mini kick. And mini, just, yeah. Yeah. 
And, it, and of course, it's, you just just take the tooling, get it done, get a release out. If it funds out, add the Nature Army. You know, add them there. But it can also introduce new people into the into Kickstarter. We'll put the base armies and say, which pick whichever one you want, or you can have one of these two. But they'll look really nice. So that keeps going. Probably going to go back and do some more Dead Zone. Very popular. And why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can always do it with more scenery. We can bump each of the factions with new kits, and then maybe the rats. <laughs> All right, that'll be great. That'll be great. And I like. I, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the Nature Army. Someone yeah. who's not on. They're not with the angels and the paladins. Yeah. They're not with the abyssals. They are fighting for Mother Nature. And, I, and I, it's one of those stories that when it came out from when I was chatting with Guy Haley and we were just talking to that, he was like, that's what the players were asking. Well, that's one of the angles, I think. And then there's good. And sometimes good is so good that it becomes bad because it's, it's order. It's about. And then bad is. oppressive, yeah. yeah. correct. And, and so there's, there's an interesting angle there where essentially they're the good guys. I'm a dwarf player. Are, they're kind of the good guys, just a little bit greedy, you know. Um, <laughs> the elves are a little bit good, but a bit aloof. And then the human, the good humans, kind of form a triumvirate. There's the there's the neutral humans, and then right. there's the bad humans. As there's there's the abyssals and the abyssal dwarfs, and the you know twilight kid, which are the archetypical baddies. But then suddenly there's this other third force, which I think is where the wood elves live. Whether right. at one with the nature of the animals and the golems and the power of nature, which is such a powerful force, and I think it gives a lovely triangle, and I think that that means they always play off against each other. There's so, no, I know your elf list. Yep. has a lot of, uh, you know, forest elementals in it. Yep. So if you are retooling, would those guys move out of the main elf list into the nature list? Yeah, I think. Well, what you'll find is that because the elves will be fairly in touch, they may well be able to draw on some bits of it. So it might, you might lose some, but they might stay around-ish. But the, and at the same point, the nature army will largely be um, everything else with some elves. Okay. So it's like subsets, you know, where they overlap. Okay, so yeah, so, so they the, kind of the fall in the middle. There's some elves that have taken the, full, the way of nature. The majority of them have taken the way of kind of order and good and are probably the most ordered good. But they'll still be able to access some of that primeval magic that Earth gives them. The Wood Elves will be a small element in the, in the nature army. Okay, cool. Very cool. So I think it, it, it takes it from a Wood Elf army versus High Elf type to there's some Elves in there because they are the, the Elves that live that way and these have gone the other way. Cool. And, I, of course, I, anything coming out for Kings of War, I'm always looking yeah. forward to. So that's very good. And then there's obviously, you know, Warpath, we're building on that. I've played the first game that I thought this really works. It's not really ready for Alpha, but I played a war game with our uh, miniatures from the uh, from the Warpath range and the Dead Zone range. It was all about buildings, taking and occupying the battlefield, and it's really got a good feel. So I think that's starting to build. We can go back in Dead Zone, put some more hard plastic sets in there, fill the base units out, and then we can kick on and do the next. You've got a lot of these different Dead Zone factions. You've got the infantry. How excited are you for getting out the things with wheels and, and engines and well, jets? And that's why if we can kick the next few over in a dead zone Kickstarter, we can start the warpath with the rulebook and vehicles. Four vehicles, one for each faction. There you go. Straight out of the block. When we get funding, what are you doing it on? Vehicle A, B, C, D. Or those two, and then this one's the next ones. That's the funding, so pick your faction. You may well have a load of the minis. 
get a vehicle. And, you know, the game that I want to build has lots of vehicles, big kits, big exciting things, because it'll scale up and you can play Kings of War size games with it. I bought, I have two sets of your, uh, I have two sets of your Warpath, your original, your, with your uh, Marauders yeah. and Forge Fathers. Yeah. And even just the little, the little cannony things there in the, I was like, oh, this is so much fun. And I actually enjoyed the rules for it. And yeah. I knew, and you, you yourself said they were a little rough. But they worked, yeah. and you could you could play it, and it was fun. So I am real I am really looking well, forward to some some big scale sci fi from correct. you guys. And when we get into that space, now this time it won't be rough. It will be released when it's ready. There'll be alpha, there'll be beta, and when it goes, it's going to be awesome. Fantastic, Ronnie. I know you got to get back to the thank booth you because much. you got people looking for you. Thanks for your time. Well, thank you, and I've lined you up with uh, Heath, who's our concept artist, who's done all of the dungeon sagas, and so uh, I will leave you his capables, and we'll speak on soon. Fantastic, folks. We will be right back with Heath, the concept artist romantic. This is Greg Dan from the Hydras, and when I want my Warhammer uncomped, I listen to Garage Hammer. Skills. Back again, back again with more from Mantic. We're here with Heath Foley, who is the concept artist for, well, seemingly a lot of the stuff that you guys are playing with. So, Heath, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. So, um, how long have you been with Mantic? When did you start? Uh, I actually got started up about, oh, at this point it's about three and a half years ago. I got picked up, I actually came to Gen Con three years ago. Okay. And uh, I remember very specifically, I was with a really tiny company called On The Lamb Games, who they're still around, they're still doing good stuff, and uh, I helped Mantic set up and break down booths. And so, you know, I was kind of uh, just talking shop with Ronnie and a couple other guys, and at the end of it, uh, On The Lamb was like, hey, do you guys need a concept artist? Heath is pretty good. I was like, yeah, I hope so. Um, <laughs> and Ronnie was kind of like, well, you know, that's when they just started working on Dreadball, and they were kind of leaking it out. And he's like, well, we got a lot of stuff rendered out, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do. So I ended up drawing uh, – I knew they had the Warpath, so I ended up drawing an orc in my version for Warpath. And I sent it over there. didn't hear anything for three weeks. And uh, what they ended up doing was eventually coming back, and they said, hey, we've got this Kickstarter campaign. It's got 10 days left, and we need art. Okay. Are you available? And I was like, okay. Uh, lo and behold, I ended up doing something like, oh, man, 20 or so designs in 10 days. Oh, in right. a very short period. And the last day, I ended up doing six designs because, you know, the Dreadball campaign went ballistic at the end. It did. Yeah. It, I mean, it just seemed like every, every – it was like, what, was, he had a, every, like, $2,500? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the set was about – if you bought the nice set, I think it was 150 So it was like <laughs> every seven new backers – you were hitting a goal. Yeah, and <laughs> it was it was tough to keep up with. Well, especially because I was working from home, and suddenly I'd check the internet and be like, I wonder if my stuff's coming up. Oh, man, they're past three of my pieces. Uh, 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 panic, 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 panic drawing. Did you work on the, the simian, the, like, the chimps? Uh, the the uh, Zs were mine. The uh, alpha simian, that was mine, too. I designed the teratons. Okay. Uh, and a couple other ones. It's hard to remember now. It's well, I just because I remember when the first Simeons came out, and then there was uh, one of the interesting things about that Kickstarter that I really liked was you, the, there was feedback coming from the backers. Yeah, and you're like, okay, we're going to just change the Simeons. Then they weren't, uh, you know, and there yeah. was there was like all these changes. Was that any of your? No, 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 no. no, no. I think you guys would be surprised uh, how much the concept artist has no control over any of that. Basically, what they do, they send me an idea. They say, you know, Heath, we have this, uh, we have this race of creatures. Uh, one of the ideas was we kind of like Marv the Martian. We want to do this little maniacal uh, race of Napoleonic uh, conquerors, but they're short and they're just full of themselves. So I ended up doing a concept design based off of that. And then lo and behold, the next morning uh, I wake up and I look on the site and they say, you know, they're space chimps. 
and or space apes, and I'm just sitting there like, okay, I guess that's what they wanted to do with it. I'm fine. <laughs> uh, so that's that's one of their decisions, and you know, obviously the fans responded the way they did, and they retracted. It's just kind of one of those things. It's interesting. Now you did the Zor as well. Yes. Wait, no. The Zor are the uh, insectoids. No, that oh. was uh, Roberto. He okay. is a very talented guy. He also did the Corporation. And a couple other models in there. I think he was with the Aster- or the uh, Forge Fathers, too. No, I was the Teratons and the Zs and... The, oh, the Zs. Okay. I th- yeah. And I also I thought that might be a short can for the Zor. I was forgetting. No, no, no. It's <laughs> fine. It's fine. It's fine. No, I only ask because I know you don't know this, but actually... Back the two years ago when we were doing this, mm-hmm. I had asked Ronnie about any clues, and he had said there might be a bug race, and I had told him I was talking with my son. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I yeah. take credit for the Zor. I know you don't realize <laughs> it, but I told him, I go, they have to be mantises. The mantic mantises, they yes. would be perfect. Yes. And lo and behold, a couple months later, it comes out, and they're mantises. And so I, I, every time I see Ronnie, I'm like, you know, I, I still haven't gotten my check for the mantises. That was my idea. So oh, man. <laughs> I tell you what, that's one of their strengths. They uh, they listen. They listen big time. If you have a good idea, you know, you talk about mantises. Yeah, they made that happen because it sounded like a good idea. Exactly. And they'll they, every now and then they'll come back to me and they'll say, you know, Heath, do you have an idea for something? At this point, the Kickstarter is going incredibly well. We're going to need more material for these people. You know, do you have an idea you want to do? And I'll admit, I'm a concept artist, so I'm insane. <laughs> uh, so some, I had some design. I think it was like a gelatinous blob in power armor who just beat other players senseless and was a referee. And Mantic was like, this is really good, but it's insane, and we can't do it. It's just too far. And I was like, ah. <laughs> but uh, other designs, like I think uh, it showed up in Dreadball Extreme, the Sorak. It kind of looks like uh, Saboba from Star Wars. Okay. Uh, that ended up being a crazy design. They're like, we love it. We want it. We're going to put it in there. So I just it, it's it's a lot of fun for me because I get to go kind of crazy every now and then. So the concept art basically, and I I, I don't know a lot of concept artists. And mm-hmm. In fact, the one concept artist that I I keep hearing about, um, I, I do play a lot of Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah, and so it always goes back to, um, and so it always goes back to John Blanche. Yeah, um, you know his quick scribbles, his quick concepts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. how finished do your concepts need to be when you're turning them in? What do they look for? What does Mantic look for when they're doing this? Honestly, it depends. Uh, right now, I've got the system down pat. When I first started, especially with uh, Dreadball, at that point, it was just about cranking out material because they were making so much money so fast, and they had so many ideas that they had, but they were keeping up with the fans, and they didn't want to disappoint them. So I literally would do a rough sketch, try and refine it as much as I could, and send it out. Now, at this okay. point... They have gotten so much better at organizing these Kickstarter campaigns that they have everything planned way ahead of time. All right. You may or may not know it, but they have a plan up to a certain dollar mark. If they go beyond that, that's panic mode, and that's what happened with Dreadball. It got so successful that that's when they brought me in and why I keep continually working with them. But for (laughs) something like Dwarf King's Quest, there's a lot of stuff that hasn't been shown yet that I've worked on. I want to tell you guys about it, but I can't. Just look forward to it. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) Um, But they have a plan long term. So it's less of this panic, last-minute artistic creation, and it's it's very well done. So I have more of a chance to refine whatever they give me, make it look as professional as possible, slap some color on it, make it look good and pretty, and send it on out there. Well, and that's just, like I said, that whole whole panic mode they went into is, I think, they they had no idea the response would be, that huge. Yeah. Now that they know what the backers are willing to do and how much, how many <laughs> rabid fans they've got, we're yeah. just here take our money. They they're able to plan for it better. So um, 
Which of the systems did you work on? You said you did Dreadball. What else have you done? Uh, oh, man. Anything they put out in the past three years. Uh, Kings of War. I, were, I created the Basilian Army. Um, oh, okay. Or I designed most of them. Roberto did the Angel designs first, and then I kind of took key off of that and did the Paladins, the Battle Sisters, the uh, Man at Arms, all that stuff. All right. Um, designed some horses for him, too, which that was fun. I've never drawn a horse in my life, and yet you know I'm getting asked to do it professionally. That was, that was, that was great. <laughs> Start. You can draw this, right? Google uh, image. Google image. Yeah, you can draw this, right? Uh, sure, great. Fake it till you make it, right? Uh, but it, the horse turned out nice. Um, after that, or I started with Dreadball, then I moved on to Kings of War uh, for their Heroes and Legends expansion. I did a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff. Did some stuff for uh, the Nature's Army. Um, after that, they brought me in for Dead Zone, which I did some designs for. I think I did uh, stuff for the uh, Orcs. The uh, giant troll in the uh, the Marauder troll, uh, all of the Rebs; those are all mine. Um, specific aliens. Uh, I've actually kind of turned into their weird monster alien design guy, uh, which okay. has been fun for me. Ever since I did the Terraton, all of a sudden they're like, "We have this weird idea. Can you do it?" And I'm like, "Okay, I'm on board. <laughs> I'm on. Let's do this." Uh, so that was Dead Zone, and then the Dreadball Extreme. Um, out of the 16 teams that showed up on the Kickstarter, I think I looked back and tallied up 11 of those teams. Uh, I got a chance to design, which surprised me because I didn't realize I had done that much work for them at that point. There was stuff from the original <laughs> Dreadball campaign that they didn't get to, some of that frantic last-minute work right. that they really loved, like the Convicts. The convicts were something they couldn't originally do, and the character Blaine was something that I designed for the convicts. But he came out for Dreadball, and then they carried over the convicts to Dreadball Extreme. So I'd worked on them, and currently I'm working on their uh, Dwarf King's Quest game, which is doing okay. extremely well with the four minutes funding, which is absolutely insane. I don't even know how. I woke up, and I was like, oh, it's today, right? Click. Oh, they're funded, and they're already in stretch goals. Fantastic. <laughs> Quick, get my pen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So you, those, uh, so you designed a lot of the the little the, the individual characters. Yes. For the, yes. Because I was I was telling Chris yesterday. I said one of the things I like about it, I, I I plan on ordering at least for the skeletons and if any of the zombie stuff comes out, just ordering extras of the character ones just to make them the champions for my Kings of War army. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, well, it's fun to work on stuff like that because uh, I design characters I want to play. Uh, as miniatures. That's the real thing. You know, that's what concept artists do. We want to play characters or design characters that we find fascinating or that we would want to actually use as many. So when they said, you know, I grew up on Heroes Quest. Right. Absolutely. So many of uh, people my age did. And so when Mantic approached me and said, we want to do a dungeon crawl game, I was like, yes. <laughs> and uh, doing generic heroes, I've, I, I was at the point in the industry where, like, I was just, I was scratching and chomping at the bit to do my own versions of these things. Cool. So what you're seeing is just an absolute dream job position of being able to design your favorite kind of basic class of hero and some unique heroes that you guys haven't seen yet uh, my way, the way I've always wanted to see them and do them, and they're getting a great response. I couldn't be happier. That's got to be really cool. That's yeah. got to be really cool when you're mm-hmm. putting it down there and people are saying, yeah, yeah. Has, okay, since you brought it up, have there been any that you've put up there and the backers have been like, oh, "What in the hell is that?" <laughs> There's, yeah, those those happen every now and then. Um, I've learned this. Uh, I, I mean, I've been uh, through the forge here uh, with criticisms, especially with Mantic campaigns. You know, they get thousands of backers, tons of attention, and suddenly you get a design that 
people hate or love or uh, the biggest thing is if people don't like a design, if people love a design, they're going to say, this is great. Or if they like a design, they're going to be silent. They're just going to kind of let it go. If people hate a design, they are going to be the loudest person in the entire forum. And I (sighs) I have dealt with that many times. So the goal is to generally try and aim for about 80 or 90% of making people happy. And there's, you can't please everyone. Now, especially with concept art. Have you brought stuff in and they like it, but they want you to make adjustments and, and oh, changes yeah. and stuff? Oh, yeah. Every single time. Has, has, anything, <laughs> has anything, like we'd mentioned with the space chimps. Thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, has, yeah. Have they have, had anything that you have put up and then they've gotten a response and come back to you and said, I know we just put it up, but we need to make change. Have, has, have there been any post putting it up on the Kickstarter page changes you've had to do? Oh, man. I'm trying to think. Uh, for the most part, no. Uh, if I put down a piece of art, typically it's gone through a pretty rigorous series of criticisms. Okay. And Mantic's great. They're going to work with you very well. They're going to say, you know what, we love this, but it needs a little bit more. Like with uh, with Dwarf King's Quest, it was all about adding more kit. they got to be adventurers. they got to have scrolls and potions and grenades and weapons and all this stuff strapped to them. And... I kind of got in the swing of those things, and that was fine. But I've never been in an event where they've wanted to retroactively change a design because of uh, because of feedback. Yeah, because of feedback from backers. Cool. So what's where what what's next with you? Is there anything you can tell us about what you you're, what you're working on, or anything that you're throwing out there? Or are you just completely focused on this Kickstarter at the moment? Uh, well, I am a big concept artist with Mantic, and I love that to death, but I'm also a freelance concept artist, so there's multiple projects I'm working on right now. I'm working on a personal project called Gods and Monsters. Uh, we're launching a Kickstarter in uh, March. I'll do a quick plug, and I apologize. www.godsandmonsters.com um, if you like Mantic's design stuff, uh, my I've carried a lot of stuff I've done from them, learned a lot, and put it into that game. And obviously, put it in back to Mantic stuff as well. It's it's so much fun. But I float around. I've done a bunch of weird stuff: sci-fi, um, fantasy, horror. I've done some cowboy work before. Um, I'm working on like a techno matrix hacking game called Ethereum. Okay. And Ethereum looks great. Uh, it's it's almost hard to keep track. At this point, in three years of being in this industry, three and a half or so, I've done 17 titles under my belt and 350 character designs or so. Wow. I've actively used minis. And most of that's for Mantic. And it's funny because I work on thick cardstock paper because it's really high quality. Well, the funny thing is, is it has a weight to it. And at this point, uh, with just the Mantic work I've done, I think I've gained 50 to 60 pounds in a single drawer of just nothing but paper and designs. It is an absolute mound. Because, you know, what we show the Kickstarter uh, people and what we show fans is the nice polished artwork that is going to end up in the final game. What they don't see is all the grunt work that goes on behind it. The, the basic designs, the alternate designs, the stuff that didn't work, the stuff that does. There's a lot of stuff in the background and stuff that they actually recycle and reuse later if it applies well. Like Dreadball was one of those kind of things. Dreadball Extreme, we took a lot of my insane designs from regular Dreadball and they're like, all right, time to make these happen. So it's, cool. a, it's so much fun. Cool. Well, this is kind of gone. This is kind of interesting because it went from just kind of chit-chatting about Manic to sort of what it takes to do concept art in the industry. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you've got to have a thick skin. Yes. <laughs> um, you got to have... 
I, I didn't at the beginning because I remember that Dread Ball campaign. There, especially, you know, stuff with disease. There was a lot of drama mm-hmm. there. The female cheerleaders I designed. A lot of people said that there was like a sexist overtone with it. And my counter response was this. If you look at the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, yep. the women I designed were actually covered about 50% more over their entire body. And they had armor. So it's just it's one of those things. Everyone's going to have their opinions. But uh, basically, if you want to survive, as far as being a concept artist in this industry, you've got to be multiple things. You've got to be quick. You got to be efficient, and you got to be cheap. You either get two of those things or three of those things. If you can be all three, you're golden. I'm trying to do that. It's not always. It doesn't always happen. But you know, <laughs> obviously, I'm three years deep. I'm still working with Mantic, and you know, they're going to keep me going on a lot of their other projects. So I'm not worried about it. Well, excellent. And I hope to see some of your designs on the, on the, um, on the. Uh Dead Zone Kings of War because oh. you know that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, that'll be a fun one to work on. <laughs> <laughs> you should see the glow in his eyes, folks. <laughs> All right, Heath, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about this. This was actually mm-hmm. really, I, I was kind of not not knowing what to expect, and this became a, a cool, interesting thing about being a concept artist. So, yeah. thank you so much for coming in and chatting. Absolutely, thanks for having me. I love talking about art. I'm more than happy to anytime. Excellent, thank you so much. And folks, like you said. Uh, godsandmonsters.com to check out some of his other work. If you like his work for Mantic, check that out. All right. We'll be back, folks. Stay, stay tuned. Okay, so there you have it. Um, lots of Mantic talk. Uh, hopefully, um, hopefully you got some fun out of it. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, we, like I said, we'll be back with another Garage Gamer uh, shortly with the rest of the Gen Con coverage. But... Uh, like I said, I thought this was uh, some pretty cool stuff, and I thought you guys would be interested in it. Uh, hopefully you are. So um, more, more to come, and uh, hope you enjoy it. So I will see you later. Thanks.